0: You, 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 know, I, B, I, B, in the, in the town all day. I, B, I, B, in the, the, S, E, A. You, you, know, I, D, I, D, in the, in the town all day. I, B, I, B, in the, in the, Hello and welcome to episode 359 of the Fabulous Pelton Cast, sponsored by our friends at Pagliacci Pizza. I'm your co-host, Kevin Pelton.
1: And I'm Tristan Carasino. And
0: we're coming to you once again from Renton, Washington, home of the Super Bowl 48
1: champion Seattle Seahawks. It's the Julian Peterson edition of the Pelton Cast.
0: Okay, I thought he was
1: 58. Long forgotten. I'm pretty sure. Did you look that up? He's 59? No. He is 59 on the Seahawks. Just look on your spreadsheet to see who you have there.
0: Blair Bush is all I have there. (laughs) Seahawks. Okay, it's the
1: Julian Peterson and somebody named Blair Bush edition of the Pelton cast.
0: Fixture in the 80s for the Seahawks.
1: But as you're listening to this, we are 10 days out from... Peltoncast live. Actors,
0: you may be listening to this after the day that it's released, Tuesday, April 11th. So it could be fewer than 10 days.
1: At Belltown Yacht Club, <laughs> the sold-out Peltoncast live and what just arrived in the mail last week was brand new, hot off the presses. Peltoncast merch. Question mark? Exclusively available. Should we post these online for everybody to see?
0: I think it's time. Okay, I think we should post. We these. are
1: going to share brand new merch. This will be out this week. Only available at Peltoncast Live. If they do not sell out at Peltoncast Live, we will have them available online after, probably for some type of donation or something. But this could sell out at the event. There are not that many. There are not that many. It's a t-shirt. There are not that many of them. Our first ever t-shirt, in fact. We've been exclusively in the hat category of merch so far. So all the more reason it's sold out. If you want to come, let us know. There's probably room on the guest list. We have to go check out the venue again and do a walkthrough because I think it's changed since the last time we were there a couple years ago. So there should still be room for for you at the event. If you want to come, just let us know. You know what to expect from Live. We don't know what to expect from Peltoncast Live. It's way too soon. We probably should have figured those things out. But Taco and Taco Time with the full co-host together for the first time at a Peltoncast Live.
0: And also, we're going to bring back uh, Taco Time Concierge Live. Uh, check out a preview of that on this week's Talk and Taco Time
1: later this week. An NFL Draft preview, which is getting hot. It's getting spicy. I'm so ready for the NFL Draft with Ringer NFL Draft guru guru Danny Kelly.
0: The crowning of Seattle's best donuts, which we will take one step closer in our (laughs) Royal Rumble bracket this week.
1: And as always, come hungry for Pelton Cast Live. This is for people who have tickets also. Make sure that you come hungry. You will be well fed at Pelton Cast Live. You can't even imagine who will be there. There are no sponsors of this podcast or friends of this podcast.
0: Can't can't think of anyone. I can't wait. Right, and I'm a
1: little nervous because we have to figure out what we're doing.
0: We we do. <laughs> uh, let's get to this week's beer from our friends at Rubens Brews. Back to them again this week. It's the Apro Pills. Italian lager. Inspired by the classic example from northern Italy, Apropils is our take on a crisp and snappy Italian-style pilsner that we lagered on spalt select hops for about four weeks to amplify their zesty, lemony character. Notes of crisp pear and a white grape are supported by a moderate degree of bitterness.
1: Oh, I, just, I could taste the bitterness, honestly.
0: There's been, been a lot of bitterness in the Italian world recently. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, that's the bitterness of the 2022 World Cup and the 2018 2000, uh, World Cup.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. And then also, I don't know what else you're going for here. The 2014 World Cup. oh <laughs> you had the wrong years. These are the right years, I guess. There's been a lot of bitterness. It also tastes like the 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 sweet taste of victory before playing uh, Japan in Tokyo. <laughs> but also the bitterness about sending down Matt Festa. First of all, how dare you, Mariners? This should have been an all Matt Festa being sent down takes this week. It's not, sadly. But I should have done it 100% about the the Italian discrimination that is existing in the (laughs) the Mariners' front office right now in favor of J.B.
0: Bacoskis. Well, not J.B. Bacoskis. J.B. Bacoskis got sent down. He got it, too. Uh you know, last week on the pod, I joked that the Mariners were, had three Italian players, but maybe not for long. And I was not thinking Matt Festin was going to be the odd man. Definitely was thinking it was going to be Tommy Lostella who continues on the roster unabated.
1: <laughs> there certainly are two Italian players on
0: the roster. Even been a rough start for a guy, Sam Haggerty. But uh, plenty, of, plenty of time left in the season for him. Let's get to our toasts, none of which are to the Mariners sending down Matt Festa. But first off, to the Seattle Kraken for clinching a playoff spot in their second year as an expansion franchise with the last Thursday's 4-2 win over Arizona. Wow. Uh, it, it was like There's a lot of stats out there. I think they're the, the first expansion team since, I think it was 1981, to make the playoffs in their second year of existence. Of course, it's kind of tough when the Vegas Golden Knights made the Stanley Cup Finals their first year of existence.
1: That's almost like just like an uh, interesting nugget, more than it is an important bit of information. Just that it happened to happen in the second year,
0: but to their to their credit, dramatically improved from year one with a young core led by Matty Beniers. So, an exciting time for the Kraken, and with the Kraken making the playoffs, these Sounders who had previously made the playoffs every year in MLS, are now the only Seattle pro sports team that did not make the playoffs in their most recent season.
1: Pathetic sounders.
0: (laughs) They're only in first place in the MLS Western Conference (laughs) thus far this season. Although, sadly, by the time the interminable MLS regular season ends, odds are very good. At least one, maybe two, maybe even more. Seattle teams will not have made the playoffs in their most recent season by, by when we get to there. You're thinking of which these teams are. I,
1: I feel like there's a chance that aside from the Kraken, no Seattle teams make the playoffs this well, again, season. The
0: Sounders are, are looking good, and yeah, uh, these- well, rain. Right, I'll, I'll still give pretty good chances at this point, but uh, uh, Storm and Mariners not as likely as last year. All right, our other toast this week is GW Softball's Sammy Reynolds, who was named Conference Player of the Week after hitting 625 with a pair of home runs and seven RBI last weekend against Cow. It's Reynolds' first Pac-12 honor this season and the fourth of her career. Did you see any of these home runs in person?
1: I did. I saw one of them. There you go. Yeah. It so. was very cold. <laughs> <laughs> My review of being at the ballpark is that it, it is a, it's very fun to be at the ballpark and also uh, Seattle, Washington is the worst place in the world. It was freaking April, and it was like we were bundled. I swear to God, it felt like UW was just about to lose to Oregon State. And like that's how gross it was inside of there.
0: We we went to UW softball when they were playing in the I don't know if it was the super regional or just the the first regional around, and that was in like late May, and we were bundled up. It
1: was still just so, cold. Yeah. yeah. I got, I got a lot of okay, moves. fair enough. Fine. It's it, an, early April is not that big of a deal.
0: It's in all Matt Festa and Seattle weather edition <laughs> it was, of was. side was. I mean,
1: the Husky softball team played awesome. We'll get We'll get to them more later. The action was hot. The experience the, of being there was great. I loved, it was it the cold. first Husky softball game I've been to since that. Yeah. And it was the first one that I went to in the actual stadium, right? right? Not going around the friggin' East End Zone. So we were in center field. The seats are awesome in center field. You're right there on top of the action. You know what I mean? Uh, and the Husky bats were kind of on fire. It wasn't a All great game for uh, uh, Kelly Lynch. Kelly Lynch did not have a great day, game pitching. Couple, a good couple of innings, uh, but fell off for an inning. But just the the atmosphere being there was very very hyped. It was packed Thanks. for a cow game. It was the second second leg of a double header that I went to, unbeknownst to me, that it was the second leg of a double They, had,
0: uh, they had canceled the Thursday night game, postponed it to, to Friday due to rain.
1: An umpire gave my children uh, like a game-used softball. I, I just didn't even imagine that was a thing that would happen in a softball game. Uh-huh. Uh, so, no, I had an amazing time being there, aside from how horrible Seattle-Washington is weather-wise in every single possibility. Sadly, UW softball cannot control that. <laughs> it, was, it was, again, it really felt like we were just about to... Like, like I feel like there have been Apple Cups that have been warmer.
0: It has to be rainy for us to be about to lose to Oregon Yeah, no, the State Oregon is. State, yeah.
1: The Oregon State, wasn't. it wasn't quite gross enough. This was more just cold.
0: All right, with the toast complete, that brings us to the next ladder the, of our, the Royal Rumble in our search for Seattle's best donuts. And we already had a change to the bracket. <laughs> <laughs> because it turned out, when the two of us went this morning to go get donuts, that despite the website saying that they were open Mondays... Despite Google Maps saying they were open Mondays, Half and Half Donuts was not in fact open on Mondays, and you deemed this a disqualification-worthy event.
1: I mean, I don't think they were probably going to
0: win anyway. I I was a little lower on Half and Half than you were. I mean, the the reviews of the photo we posted online were quite strong because the old fashioned in there looked terrific without question
1: it was good it was a good old-fashioned it was a very good
0: old-fashioned that was not my issue it was just that I I thought the maple bar was a little dry and you know this is something we talked about last week if you're going to be Seattle's best donut I need to be confident that if, if I'm sending someone there on my recommendation putting my good word out there that you're Seattle's best donut you need to deliver no matter what they order I feel like
1: okay I'm, I'm sorry, Seattle thin. Best Donuts. We already know <laughs> yeah, yeah. Best We know that you cannot. Literally none of these places will be Seattle's Best Donut. Already, Impossible already. to be. So, uh, I, I, I just feel like, A, I mean, we don't have that many more weeks to do this. <laughs> literally, been, like, the amount of times that I'm going to be driving to Capitol Hill looking for donuts are not going to be that many more times. So I'm willing to accept that if there is a situation where I happen to be in Capitol Hill in the morning able to get donuts... I'm not going to plan around it, but if that situation arises, I will go to half and a half and I will get donuts and I will judge them vis-a-vis whoever has come out to fight whoever the challenger is at the moment. Which could mean four donuts next week or the week after. since we Look, it's battle royale three. style, right? <laughs> I don't know if it actually is battle royale style.
0: Uh, it's actually tag team. <laughs> I don't know which of the donuts are tagging in and out at any given time. <laughs> So that left us with two competitors this week. Of course, returning last week's champion, Chuck's Donut in Renton against Raised Donuts and Cakes in Seattle's Central District. So uh, we had previously been to Chuck's last week. Today, we did go to Raised Donuts. And tell us a little bit about the donuts that we got.
1: Uh, got three different types of donuts. There's a chocolate bar. They're almost a smaller, they're a little chocolate bar. Right. Yeah, it's, it's not, not quite that long. a full
0: size maple bar,
1: and, and it's interesting. Maple you think about uh, like top pot, right? Top pot's an extraordinarily long maple bar. It's a little bit smaller and thicker. Uh, then there was a strawberry balsamic donut, right? That to me was I. I saw the word balsamic, you had me.
0: I posted a photo of that in a Discord I'm in, and that got that got a real strong reaction.
1: The, I mean those two flavors together look. Balsamic's amazing. Strawberry and balsamic together in one is a pretty amazing flavor palette. Uh, and then there was a chocolate chip cookie donut.
0: So that was a chocolate. I, I didn't really get a lot of notes of chocolate chip. It felt more like a cookies and cream to me, that donut, I would have to say. Not that there's anything wrong with that.
1: I I, I will say, I feel like in general, I, I don't, I think half and half could have won this round. Like, There was nothing that I was blown away by aside from the strawberry balsamic. Again, those flavors are great, but on the strawberry balsamic, it's almost like there's like a crust, right? And then there's the donut itself. They don't blend into each other as perfectly. Are we judging these vis-a-vis chucks right now? Yes. These are technically judged. I said that I had an answer for you. Yeah. And the more that we talk about this...
0: You also said that that answer was going to be the same as mine and we wouldn't need a third person because unfortunately... Uh, we were unable to find a, a third participant this week. Unless Mrs. Fantasy Genius needs to come down to break the tie.
1: Well, she only had an apple fritter, which we didn't have anywhere else, right? She did have an apple fritter at Chuck's, and I think she would probably say that she preferred the Chuck's apple fritter. That's
0: what that's I was thinking.
1: For what it's worth. If you want to have her come down and break the tie, I'm willing to do that.
0: Well, I, I think we're, we're kind of speaking for her here, but are you saying that... Chucks the, is your pick.
1: The more that I have this conversation, the more that I think about it. And in fact, it was what you said just a moment ago about if you're going to recommend that somebody goes to a donut shop, you want to have a pretty high degree of confidence that they're going to get something that is very, very good. And I, I thought the chocolate bar, like it's very muted. I like, I really like raised donuts, but it's honestly, it doesn't feel like it's at that tier of some of like, if this is a donut that we're going to be putting in the mix with dough I mean, I suppose the
0: other possibility is we
1: could advance. Nobody. Nobody could advance. What is the French one called again? The French one? Yeah.
0: I I don't know. know. That's already
1: in the finals. The one that's already in the finals? We've advanced Dojo and... Ninth and Hennepin. Ninth and Hennepin, yes. The French one? Yeah, they're like mostly French style donuts. I suppose. We've advanced Ninth and Hennepin and Dojo to the finals. To me, I don't really feel like Rays is at that level. And if we're going into a finals and we want it to be competitive, I'm comfortable with the idea of both of these donuts being eliminated.
0: Well, remember that one of these would be facing off next week against Top Pot, and next week is also going to be Good Day. So those, those will be the competitors next week. But I, I would say a couple of things. Number one, I, I think you're underselling... I,
1: I would take, right now in this very moment, I would take both of those. So if we have the option to advance both Good Day and Top Pot and none from this week... I am possibly okay. That's not
0: an option. These ones would be going into the matchup (laughs) against them. (laughs) The bracket is broken down. (laughs) That's a perfectly normal bracket. I don't know what (laughs) anyone is saying about this. (laughs) We ended up with a head to head competition this week on accident. So I would say to make the case for Raised Donuts and Kicks, number one, as you said, the flavor of the strawberry balsamic to me. That was most comparable of any of the donuts we've had in this search to Dojo in terms of the quality of the flavor.
1: But Dojo is better. I know for a fact that Dojo is better.
0: I also think there's something about the chocolate on the chocolate bar. It tastes like actual chocolate.
1: Yeah, it's it's chocolate. It's not like... But I don't know if that's exactly what I want from a donut. I liked it. You did. Actual chocolate, you prefer? Because... Top pot's, if you gave me like right now, if I am if I had the choice between going to I understand that these are not <laughs> vis-a-vis each other. <laughs> top pot, but like if I had the choice of going to Top Pot Dojoy or to raise Donuts and Cakes, to me those other two are so clearly the places that I would go to.
0: I mean I think what I would say, so again, I like the I really like the frosting on the chocolate bar, Really. But what I would say is, is ultimately what keeps Raised Donuts and Cakes from having it, being at this level in my mind is their donuts are incredibly airy. And I like that, but something you've referenced throughout this process is that you need a little bit of that crunch,
1: a little bit of that, that bite and back. And that's what from Chuck's does. Chuck's is a perfect maple bar. You cannot— you, I'm, not, I'm not disputing that, you Chuck's. You cannot debate that. It is, the, it, is it. It is the, probably wins Seattle's best maple bar.
0: Yes. Chuck's maple bar is him. For her. For it. Whatever whatever pronoun you would like to use in that, that expression.
1: It's them. Okay. So maybe maybe this week, I'm just gonna throw this out there. We anoint Chucks as Seattle's best old school donut. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it is both. I don't know if we need to advance raise raised donuts and cakes on.
0: I th- I think that is a fair assessment. So that would just give us Top Pot versus Dojo next, or versus uh, Good Day next week.
1: Top Pot versus Good Day. And I had the thought about this. How large is the panel going to be judging this? Because we need to have, if there's three in there, we need to have at least four people judging. But if there's five people judging, you understand we, do, we can't have ties. Oh, I hadn't thought about this. Yes, we, we if probably. If we're going to have three competitors, four people is probably the right amount of people in case everybody chooses one of the three donuts.
0: Yes, that does make sense. I mean, then you could do a weighted uh, three, two, one ranked choice. Funny, <laughs>
1: <buddy>. not fun. <laughs> All right, we need to have a panel
0: of at least four. If if there.
1: we have three different donuts, I will make sure that three different people. It'll either be unanimous or three different people choose a different donut to come down to one person wow. that has to decide. Wow! And then I'll get angry about whatever the decision is.
0: So again, next week will strictly be Good Day versus Top Pot for a spot or potentially not a spot <laughs> in the final against the Joe joy. This, this and Nathan
1: is almost Edipen. like, right. You said we're going to do it like
0: Royal rumble style.
1: Yeah. Competitors come out.
0: Yeah. They've both been, both of the, both of these wrestlers have gone over the, yeah. have been pinned or they, gone over the they edge. fight. Whoever
1: is in the ring and they didn't win. <laughs> That's it. Is it not? There's no way in my mind that I can conceive either of these two donuts beating ninth and hennepin or dojoy
0: i think that's a that's a
1: fair assessment so why would we why would we put them in the finals and i don't think that's necessarily the case next week again i'm very very curious to go back to good day and top pot like if we could get two top pot in the finals i think that would be very exciting for me
0: it'd be completely reasonable if we do a fan vote again which we didn't do i feel like at the chicken did we
1: no we don't want the fans to vote no <laughs> we don't want to hear what they have to say
0: i feel like th- that's part of this is we're just gonna it's like the nba adding the jerry west clutch player award which uh-huh. i had to vote
1: for earlier today
0: oh who'd you vote for deer and fox was a pretty clear choice okay. on that one uh, is
1: it spelled like the agency what <laughs> like the clutch oh no, no 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 <laughs> uh is that he's he's at clutch too isn't he deer and
0: fox it's plausible. I, I do not know off the top of my head the, his representation. Anyways, like the NBA has added that award, they've added the conference finals player uh, MVP awards. They just want to give out a lot of awards. We in this donut search are just giving out a lot of awards. We've got Seattle's best donut. We've got Seattle's best old school donuts. We've got Seattle's best maple bar and we will have the fan vote for Seattle's best donuts. So We're going to have a lot, of, a lot of honors as we get to He is part of clutch. Oh, there we go. Anything more on donuts?
1: Uh, I just like that we're making more work for Katie. <laughs> <laughs> to to, do the, to the make button. the brackets for or whatever.
0: <laughs> She's not making the brackets. That's all me and Uh Should we turn to sports? Absolutely, we Let's should. Let's start with a quick discussion of the NBA at the end of the regular season. This is something we didn't mention last week. And uh, the <sighs> listener, Pat and Richard, would me about this. Uh, wondering, hey, Kevin... Question for you: I was hoping would be on the pod, but it wasn't mentioned. The new collective bargaining agreement for the NBA does it bring us any closer to expansion? Possibly. I feel feel like it was always not since the deal was done.
1: This was on the Macklemore podcast that we talked about expansion, wasn't it?
0: Yes, but when we recorded that, it was literally hours before the NBA announced the new collective bargaining agreement, which was struck on April Fool's Day. I thought was kind of a funny thing about it. I feel like it was always one CBA, two new TV deal, then three would consider expansion. Is that still how you see it? With the arena being done. Then this is a good thing, right? And yeah, no, I think that's 100% it. Uh, You know, I had some conversations. I was down in Portland for the Hoop Summit last weekend, and that still seems to be the expectation from everybody. Uh, The only reason I'm probably muted about it and didn't mention it is because we always knew this was going to get done. There was never a chance of a lockout, but... You actually check off the box. You are that much closer. What is the year? It depends on Las Vegas. Why? Because they probably will be the other
1: expansion team. But what would be the holdup for Las Vegas, I guess what I'm saying. When their arena is going to be done. We don't know. We do not know. They want the teams to come in at the same time. I'm sure they would prefer that. Is the arena being built right now? I
0: don't know if they've broken ground on it yet. So... These things have a tendency to take longer than people want, which is why the Kraken ended up, you know, starting the season they did and not a year earlier like they actually wanted.
1: What is your expectation right now?
0: I mean, 2026 or 2027 are the realistic options.
1: When would it be announced? 2024?
0: Possibly 2025. I don't know. We'll see.
1: But this is like, I mean, I've maintained to you for a long time that this is done.
0: I don't understand what it's not. Nothing is done until it's done.
1: I understand that, but like it's set. It's set within the NBA infrastructure, power, power team, whatever. Right? Leadership. They're they're like, okay, this is what we're doing. Boom, 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 boom. They've had the conversations with respective owners. Owners are on board. Owners get what ah, the timeline is.
0: I don't know if I'd say that much. I think there is an expectation that that's what's
1: going to happen. What is the arena getting built for? In this is also another. Similar arena to Seattle, right?
0: It's also being done by the Oakview Group, which built the Climate Pledge, and they're building it. as We've discussed repeatedly <laughs> <laughs> south of the Strip. Uh huh. I did see a map at one point. It's not exactly where I thought it was. Uh, it's toward, toward, uh, sort of towards the uh, south side of the uh, uh, the airport, and it, I think it might be a little bit removed from the Strip. But don't quote me on that. I, I can't remember when I saw this
1: map. But so, what? What are they saying that they're building this arena to possibly attract professional sports franchise, or to possibly attract an NBA? There's team? No other
0: indoor sport. They they already have the NHL. Now. They've <laughs> got an arena. They play it. Yeah. They're not building this for you know. But are
1: they saying that it's for concerts or like what are they no, saying? No, it's like very clear. It's going to be for sports. That's what I'm saying. Is like don't tell me this isn't done. If I mean you just go, done isn't. The city of Las Vegas, Nevada, doesn't make a. The city isn't doing it. But you, the Oakview Group is smart enough and has enough information to know what's going on that they are not going to spend. Nothing a, is done. A billion dollars until it is done. How much do you think they're spending on this? Nothing is done. Oh, like three billion. Three billion dollars for the it this isn't fucking Louisville, Kentucky. Nothing is done. Right? Like this isn't somebody being like Nothing is done. The generals will come back. Until it is done.
0: You understand my point. You remember when Chris Hansen bought the Sonics, the Kings, and they were gonna move here and become the Sonics, and that was done? I don't and know then if, it turned
1: out it wasn't done? How done that was. But also, there was, uh, there was some people in the league who had a particular vendetta against the city of Seattle. They did not have a vendetta they went against the city out of, of their way to not have a team in Seattle.
0: They went out of their way to show other t- cities that they needed to build an arena. And you know who built an arena? The fucking city of Sacramento. And therefore, the team continued yeah, to play there. when
1: is that arena but, not going to be good enough for a professional sports franchise? Oh, that arena's great. That's, that's not a... For a long time?
0: I mean, look, things things move quickly in pro sports because there's a lot of money involved. I don't think nothing is done. I'm just saying until it's done. You can
1: read the tea leaves by the money that is being spent. Nothing is done. They're not spending that money until it's done just to have a fucking Drake concert.
0: I mean, concerts are way more profitable for the But there aren't
1: that many of them. There are not. And there's a lot of competition for concerts in Las Vegas. that size? I mean, yeah. There's the hockey arena that you're talking about. Right there's a football stadium. If it's bigger, every single casino has a venue.
0: Yeah, but they're not twenty thousand seat venues. There aren't you, that the many that would be... twenty
1: thousand seat tours that exist. I suppose the the like most tours are either way bigger or way smaller. Again, nothing is done until it's done. But you know what is done? Well, the the people of the Oakview group leadership is pretty confident, let me just say, that if they build a $3 billion arena, they will end up with a basketball team. I mean, expansion also isn't the only way to end up with a basketball team, as it turns
0: out. Sometimes they move. What is done is the Blazers' regular season, (laughs) mercifully, after a number of players that you had never heard of. That I had maybe barely heard of at most. They weren't even a shot this season.
1: Jersey number database. <laughs> no.
0: <sadly. laughs> Where did Jonathan Williams rank? Jonathan. Chance Comanche. Uh Omar Manaya was uh, was a new one. Oh, no, sorry. No, Omar Justin Manaya. Justin Manaya Omar there Manaya's was a son. Manaya
1: who played football too, wasn't there? Maybe no. Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. So, But Omar Manaya's son was on the team. He was, yes. God, there was one other player too. I think he might have been white, I found out. I don't know about this. Uh, there is another dude who, like, the, the, my favorite thing about the last games was how many minutes they played, too. It wasn't just, like, Chance is coming in for his first game ever. He's playing 36 minutes in his it, first game ever.
0: He lost by 59 to the Golden State Warriors. Or was it 57? It
1: was 56. Thank oh, you. Oh,
0: 56. Wow. Okay. I'm not good with numbers. In their Oh, S. Finale. Mays.
1: Skylar Mays. Uh, not not he white? Is, okay. He's not.
0: Uh, he was one of the dudes that he, I had. He also is, has extensive NBA experience. So he was, along with Shaquille Harrison, who now plays for the Lakers all of a sudden, <laughs> uh, one of the players with whom I was most familiar before he was signed.
1: Any of us could play with the Lakers hmm? all of a sudden. It could happen to any of us. <laughs>
0: uh, after the game, they held the, the exit interviews for Damian Lillard, as well as Chauncey Billups, Jeremy Grant, I think, went, and Joe Cronin the lead basketball executive and everyone talked about how like much they expect to be way more competitive next year to be more experienced, et cetera. Uh, And this coming on the heels of them going into the lottery now with the fifth best odds uh, and at worst, the ninth best pick in the draft. And it sure seems very likely that that draft pick, unless it's number one overall, will never play for the Portland trailblazers.
1: Number one, you feel like that's the point? I mean... Who are the players? Because, right, is it still Scoot and Wemby or one and two? Right? Brandon
0: Miller is in the mix in the top three. I, I, I think you, two you versus think three, one, two, three could depend on which team's got it. Obviously, Victor Wemanyama is going to be number one, no matter who gets it. I, I don't even know that two or three would necessarily convince really? to hang on to it.
1: You think they might just because of the Dame factor? Yes, and what what about Shaden?
0: He certainly like changed some things with his performance at the end of the season. Uh that he, minus thirty five in his last game was really nice. Well that's that <laughs> that's not his fault. That's not his doing. Uh they had to sit him out against San Antonio because the you know, he he I'm sorry, he missed that game due to injury because he <laughs> was he was playing too well and that was a game they risked winning late in the season.
1: I mean he ended up playing in eighty games this year. That's kind of wild, right? The amount of experience that Shaden got as still a 19-year-old. Uh, he's somebody who I would be very upset if the Blazers traded. The
0: big thing about Shaden what he did at the end of the season, like the scoring you always knew was going to come, it's that he started, you know, his playmaking, he started making more plays defensively. All of that was very encouraging. Uh he was asked uh, whether he feels like he's proven, you know, he should be a starter and said that he thinks so and that raises some interesting questions about Anthony Simon's future in yeah, Portland.
1: I was going to say, who, who does that push out? Who has more trade value right now, Simon's or... Is it Shaden because he's getting paid way less?
0: I think Shaden would still have more trade value, and just the upside is pretty high, but...
1: This was supposed to be Simon's breakout year. Did that not happen? Not
0: really. I mean, he didn't play poorly at all, but it it wasn't necessarily at the same level it had been when he was the point guard at the end of last season.
1: So, it's really just we're we're counting down time to the lottery, and if they end up wet with Wemby, everything changes. Everything changes. I mean, it would be very very fun. Oh yeah, well for it to have Wemby in the Northwest is like, and they'll have pretty sizable odds, right?
0: Uh, the let's double check what the odds are here for the uh, the team that enters the lottery in fifth. But I think uh, it's
1: like ten percent. I,
0: I, that is my memory as well. So, you know, it's, a, it's certainly a realistic possibility at 10.5%.
1: And what, what if you were the 1 through 3 or 4?
0: 1 through 3 or 14, 4 is
1: 12.5. I mean, there's not a big difference. There is not, no. Right? I You're mean, a stats guy. The, <laughs> the I, difference I, of those 2.5% or 2%, right? 2%
0: between 4th and 5th. 3.5% between th- top 3 and 5th.
1: It's ultimately, like, pretty minuscule when you're talking about one time.
0: Correct. Well, the advantage to being higher up is more about the fact that you can't finish any lower than, you know, fifth if you have the worst record.
1: So it would still be beneficial for the Blazers to have their ball chosen or whatever. Do you
0: be drawn in the lottery?
1: Yeah. Even if it was the fourth pick or something.
0: Yeah. I mean, the fourth pick, like, you're still the most likely outcome for them is picking seventh. Okay. So anything higher than that, frankly, is positive.
1: All right. Well, I was going to say, what a fun year. It wasn't.
0: It had some fun moments. Damon Lillard scored 70 points in the game. So there you go. With that, it's time for your favorite segment. Don't burn yourself. We got Mariners hot takes coming at you.
1: You think there's going to be a hot take about the Mariners bullpen? or extra inning games, or JK giving opposing pitchers whiplash. (laughs) Well, it's not. I was driving along today and listening to the Mariners game, which is apparently something I do now, and I heard Rick Riz and Dave Sims talk about how important it was for the Cubs to win their first World Series since 1908 in 2016. And the only thing I could think was, get the fuck over yourselves, north side of Chicago. It ain't that big of a deal. Because you know how long it's been since we've had a World Series? Not win, just a game in Seattle. Infinity? All of time! All of human history is how long it has been. And in the meanwhile, during those 108 years Chicago experienced, some of the best sports and culture of all time. They got to see the greatest basketball player ever win six rings. And here in Seattle... We signed the guy most known for falling to the floor after MJ's first iconic shot. Before the whole fucking basketball team moved... And our quarterback threw the worst interception of all time. And we won 116 games, only to lose in the ALCS. And the best hitter of the 90s preferred to play in fucking Cincinnati. And the best hitter of the 2000s signed with their division rival. And the college football program was derailed by a scandal by our own local newspaper. And that the biggest living rock star from our town prefers the fucking Cubs. And we were saddled with a decade of each row. And that you know a team from Chicago won a World Series not that long ago, but they're from that part of town, so it doesn't count to you. And that the Greek philosopher, and that the Greek philosopher Heraclitus said, "Big results require big ambitions." And that quote was uttered more recently than the Mariners played a World Series game. <laughs> And that Jerry DePoto paired his big ambitions with the services of someone named J.B. Bukaskis. And that the earth has been a place for four and a half billion years, and that's how long it's been since the Mariners played a World Series game. So in those terms, 108 years doesn't seem all that long for you to only win the division sometimes. So Chicago... And the Cubs. Go eat your fucking Italian beef and get the fuck out of here.
0: <laughs> Need more bear references?
1: There's one. <sighs> uh, There's a real takedown of something that happened seven years ago. <laughs> look, the Mariners don't play in Chicago all that often. Definitely the worst thing
0: to happen in 2016. Uh, <laughs> so the Mariners, <coughs> they looked the... the they had a chance to get, they got back to 500 against Cleveland, right? Or they had a chance to get no, back to right 500. They also had a chance to win the season series against the Guardians, which could loom large <laughs> down the road, but probably not, based on the way the Mariners have played thus far. And then Sunday happened. They took a 3-1 lead into the ninth. They took a two-run lead into the bottom of the 11th. They took a one-run lead into the bottom of the 12th and managed to lose all of those leads and eventually the game. uh, A second consecutive extra innings loss tonight on the north side of Chicago. The Mariners were 11-5 in extra innings last season, already 40% as many losses with 0%. It's kind of bombs how
1: bad they've been. And it's partially the bullpen not not pitching as well. Obviously, the Andres Munoz injury is huge, but I think I saw a tweet from Ryan Divish basically being like, everybody cool the fuck off. I've seen all of your complaints about everything else. Bullpen depth was not a thing that we imagined that the Mariners would need to address. And for me, I'm like, it's not about the bullpen depth. It's about needing the bullpen depth. And obviously you're always going to you're gonna have close games no matter what, no matter how good the offense is.
0: But I, even Tampa Bay, I assume, is playing close games in some of these.
1: They're actually not. I think streak. their run differential is like the greatest of all time. Oh, no. Dude.
0: Yeah, maybe none of it matters because Tampa Bay is just gonna win the World Series so easily. The real-
1: reality is like their run differential hey, is plus fifty eight in 10 games. So they're winning those games by five almost six runs per game. I don't think bullpen depth matters all that much to them. But that's the thing is when you're not hitting, you the bullpen depth matters a lot more and the thing that is more reliable year to year, I assume without having researched this, is hitting no, than that's, pitching. That's
0: unquestionable. Pre- relievers in particular are wildly
1: volatile. So if what you're doing is counting on something, I mean, that's the reality of this, the entire season. That's why all of the advanced projections for the season didn't look that good for the Mariners because they were exceptionally good in things that weren't replicable.
0: Well, the other thing they were good at that isn't replicable is pitching health. And that's the thing that they haven't, that's already been exposed to early this season. Because why isn't Chris Flexen in the bullpen? Well, because he has to start now because Robbie Ray is on the IL. Munoz going on the IL suddenly costs you one of your top arms in the pen. And all of a sudden, it's the likes of Justin Topa and J.B. Bukasquez who are in there instead of those guys that were so key last season in winning all these close games.
1: If yeah. I wanted a reason to be positive, which I don't, the Mariners' run differential is zero currently. And given how badly things have gone... Granted, that's with three Castillo starts. They've had more Castillo starts than anybody else. But the starting pitching depth is still pretty good. All things considered, with how badly Colton Wong has played, how badly Teoscar has hit, right? How incredible Jared Kalanick has been. hey The... Being at 500 run differential is not that bad. The fun differential is going to catch up with you eventually.
0: I mean, the other part of it is remember the Mariners weren't very good in April last year which the a season that hadn't had just started by this point last year because of the lockout uh but it wasn't until, what, the end of May, really, that they started playing
1: particularly well? We can't count on a how-many-game-win streak. Like, that's not something— I don't think we
0: should count on that, but we should recognize that the season is long, and there are a lot of ups and downs. But also—
1: That's why we do takes every single exactly. week.
0: This is also a reminder, like, I just bless the optimistic hearts of Mariners fans who said that Sunday was the worst loss of the season— There is definitely a high possibility, a strong likelihood of the Mariners saying, Hold my beer, to themselves. Oh, I mean, it's not going to
1: be the worst loss of the entire season, unless it's really bad and then none of the games matter. But there were fun moments, even in these couple of games. Of course. And and you look at it and you're like. Well, it could only be a painful loss if you see the light. Two different moments that happen, right? The Mariners close out the game on Sunday, and then if. Like, literally, the bases were loaded with one out today. Really really brutal to not come away with a run. You know what I mean? And I felt like Castillo was, like, kind of roughed up on sort of some garbage also. But, like, those two moments and the Mariners are 6-5. and It's just really fucking early. It is. So, I, I am not in panic mode about the Mariners just yet. And I think Kellenic hitting actually is a huge deal, ultimately. Sure. They've gotten a little bit unlucky. They should be about 5 and 5 or whatever, 5 and 6, I guess. I mean, that's only one game different than Exactly. That. That's what I'm saying. It's like they've gotten a little bit unlucky, but the difference right now when there's only 11 games played between 4 and 7 and 5 and 6 seems huge. Right. And in reality, it's not that big of a difference.
0: All right, let's turn our attention to the Kraken after clinching the playoff spot last Thursday. The Kraken beat Chicago 7-3 to for their fourth consecutive win, then extended it to five with a 4-1 win Monday. In Arizona, the win streak has the Kraken tied for the third spot in the Pacific Division, which would hypothetically mean a more favorable first-round matchup. In practice, would likely mean facing Edmonton, which has a uh, plus 61 goal differential, second best in the West, and took three of four from the Kraken in the season series. That might be a, be careful what you wish for with that particular matchup. Uh, Kraken will wrap up the regular season with a home-and-home against the Vegas Golden Knights this Tuesday and Thursday. The playoffs begin as we record this a week from now, a week from Monday. So they're coming. By the next time we record... The Kraken may already have played a playoff game. Wow. So, there you go. Seattle Sounders, a battle for first place in the Western Conference last Saturday night at Lumen Field. After a scoreless first half where St. Louis City SC maybe had the better of chances, the Sounders took control of the battle of these two teams in the second half. Filling in for the injured Joao Paulo, Josh Atencio got the start- scoring started with his first career goal of Screamer from outside the box in the 65th minute. Raul Ruiz Diaz, who came on as a substitute for Leo Chu after Jordan Morris again started it forward before moving uh, back to midfield, added another on a tap-in. before the Sounders, got a third goal late on an own goal to win this 3-0. Sounders moved a point ahead of St. Louis and two points ahead of LAFC, which has the best points per match in the West with one match still in hand over the Sounders. It's a derby match this Saturday at Struggling Portland, which has just five points through seven matches thus far in just six goals.
1: Oh, we'd love to hear it.
0: The Timbers added Cote d'Ivoire forward Frank Bolli after the season opener. Bully has played just two matches off the bench as he acclimates, scoring in five minutes on his debut before playing 25 minutes off the bench last Saturday. So we'll see maybe a chance he makes his first start against the Sounders. Uh, Brian Schmetzer called João Paulo City out Saturday due to hamstring tightness precautionary, so we'll see if he's back in the lineup this weekend, although with Atencio playing well, uh, all the more reason to not push it here. Uh, this is, Brian Schmetzer has been basically spoiled for choices thus far with the Sounders, with so many players in different lineup configurations playing well.
1: So, Alright. The pendulum always swings back and forth. Between the Sounders and the Mariners? Kind of, but also like the no, Sounders having... Literally never made the playoffs in the same season. Having It hasn't been that many years. And the Mariners haven't made the playoffs very many times. That's
0: that's the point. But the, the Sounders always made it until the Mariners finally did.
1: Having this team back, though, after what they went through last season, and seeing a team that's mostly the same, looking very good, it kind of felt like that's what was inside, right? It was like, let's kick into gear. And it never quite happened throughout the year. And now it does feel like the Sounders are near the class of mls
0: i think it also shows the value of not overreacting to a down season like that like they could have made dramatic changes the team is a little on the old side certainly but instead it was just you know some minor tweaks around the edges and the continued development of younger players like leo chu and atencio has really changed things dramatically and yeah i mean you know the other thing I didn't mention in terms of depth, like Christian Roland didn't play in the midfield here. He, for the second consecutive match, played right back. His brother Alex Roland played left back with New Who uh, still just coming back from international duties. So, you know, they've, Schmetzer's got a lot of choices. Uh, it's a good problem to have. OL Rain is back from their international break. We'll play their home opener this Saturday against San Diego. Uh, During this break, the U.S. women's national team beat Ireland 2-0 in a friendly on Saturday, with Rose Lavelle starting and Emily Sonnet playing off the bench from the rain. They will play Ireland again Tuesday in St. Louis. The hated rival Wave, one of two NWSL teams that have won their first two matches, the other being slightly lesser rival, the Portland Thorns. Only Portland has outscored San Diego's six goals thus far, with three of those coming from Alex Morgan, two more from 18-year-old Jaden Shaw, who is the U.S. Soccer Young Female Player of the Year in 2022, already making a big impact for the Wave. Uh, they signed her late last season. So we will be good to see uh, O.L. Reign back at Lumen Field for the first time since the, their great attendance at the playoff match, their loss in that one to uh, Kansas City and uh, hoping to add another three points to their ledger monday night was the WNBA draft and with the number 9 overall pick the Storm drafted Tennessee forward Jordan Horston who was expected to go as high as the top 4 picks but uh, was unexpectedly still on the board the versatile 6 foot 2 forward averaged 1.6 steals 1.1 1. 1 blocks per game last season and 4.0 assists per game in her career shooting is the big question mark with Horston shot just 28.5% during her college career on three pointers she finished that Tennessee career at Climate Pledge Arena recording 17 points 3 assists and three steals with seven turnovers in a loss to Virginia Tech in the regional semifinals. So she'll be right back there to start her WNBA career.
1: Okay, is that who you told me you thought they were going to draft? No, I
0: because I didn't think she was... Well, when we were talking during the draft uh, and I realized that she had not been picked... Then yes. Yes. Okay. It so it was an
1: obvious pick for the Storm. Yeah. It seems very it. clear,
0: but she was an obvious pick before that too and didn't get chosen.
1: Why Why do you think that was the case?
0: I mean, I think the shooting is a big factor. Teams definitely seem to put a bit more of a premium on shooting this year, I would say, in the first round of the draft. Uh, I would say some similarities. They're, they're different players, but some broad similarities to Gabby Williams, who started at small forward for the Storm last season. They still have her rights as a restricted free agent if and when she decides to return to the league. Uh, she will likely be ineligible this year due to the prioritization rules. But same kind of thing where someone who can handle the ball, offer some secondary playmaking, be really effective in transition, and we'll see if the shot eventually comes around.
1: What is the expectation here? Is it to find role player or is it somebody who could potentially be a star?
0: Role player. like At this stage of the draft, as
1: even you, though right, she fell?
0: Yeah. It's kind
1: of iffy when you get outside the top handful of
0: picks in the WNBA. But so anything you get is a, a positive, I would say. But uh, again, you know, I think this is the kind of pick that gives you a better chance of that. In the second round, the storm drafted Oklahoma forward Maddie Williams, an undersized post player who can handle the ball. A little bit of Julius Randle to her game, I would say. Like, you know, obviously not quite at that level, certainly at the uh, WNBA. But, uh, you know, an interesting pick there. They also drafted South Florida center Dulcie Fankam Mengiadu, a native of Cameroon, who played four years there before after beginning her career in junior college. With their final pick in the third round, the Storm took Skyline High School product Jade Lavelle, who started her college career at Boise State before playing at Arizona State and finishing up with Adia Barnes
1: at Arizona. All right. So, that was Mickey a pick because she's from the Northwest. Or,
0: I mean, yes, yeah, so third round. It's a real long shot to make the team by that part of the draft. So always nice to have, you know, a local talent. Uh, let's turn our attention to Husky sports. UW baseball won the opener at Arizona, thirteen to eight, before dropping the last two games of the series, including Ugh. a thirteen to one loss Ugh. on Saturday. He's down to six and six in conference play ahead of this weekend's matchup with Arizona Arizona State, and I gotta say, no, there's some pressure. They're in danger of falling out. They of have the to record. win the series. This is like like a sports movie. If they're below 500, they're out of the rundown. Let's win it for the rundown, boys. <laughs>
1: That's the mark if the Huskies fall under 500. Literally, what does the UW men's basketball team have to do to get out of the rundown? How do I get them out? of? What can I do to get them out of the rundown today?
0: There's a different standard for UW men's basketball basketball team than baseball, I'm afraid.
1: They're getting close to... Futility, similar to like what I was talking about for the Mariners, it might have been all of eternity since Husky basketball was interesting to watch. <laughs> but like, there was the one moment. We'll have the cold blooded moment. That's it. Period. Oh, Husky baseball. How cool we forget
0: beating DeAndre Ayton.
1: I've forgotten beating DeAndre and That was an emergency. Oh, yeah. That, no, that was actually really, were really awesome. Good that was really, really emergency pod.
0: Pod. I guess we did one for the Utah State and then for the coaching. Dominic Church.
1: Green, right? Nailed the nailed the shot. Correct. That was huge. Yeah. in High School zone? Yeah. Dominic Green. There we go. I could not tell you what high school anybody from <laughs> UW baseball went to. Uh, <laughs> no, there's one dude from Liberty. Yeah,
0: you did know that.
1: Because uh, I looked through it while we were on the podcast. So, okay. That's that's the point, though. If we if we end a weekend and they're under 500, they're gone.
0: They can get back if they climb back (laughs) over 500. (laughs) It's an ongoing thing. It's like the Reikens. You can fall out of the Reikens. You can come back. We'll (laughs) see. Okay. That's how the rundown is. They're in danger.
1: When you were like, and I've got to say they're in danger, I thought it was going to be something else, and it's all Pelton (laughs) (laughs) Caster-like. of course. It's not anything real. Uh, All right, boys. Winning for the rundown this weekend.
2: Safely, this matters.
0: Safely in the rundown is UW softball, which enjoyed a much better weekend, sweeping Cal at home by a combined 32-13 to margin, And a 16-5 run rule finish in the second game of Friday's doubleheader that, tied, what it is, that tied the Huskies' highest-scoring game of the season, that previously coming in non-conference play, obviously. They also scored 10 runs on Sunday, the first time this season they've reached double digits in back-to-back games. <laughs> you know, you shrugging does not make for good podcast audio.
1: I mean, I already talked about the experience of being there, but like the bats were kind of on fire. Like these were all legit hits. Yeah, and you know there there's some power for the team this weekend. And I Cal ultimately is not that bad of a club, right?
0: They are not last in the Pac-12 stand, softball standings. I'll tell you that much. So. I mean, yeah, I I think as we talked about, I think they were receiving votes before this weekend. So it's probably much more a measure of, you know, what the, what the Huskies were doing than what
1: Cal wasn't. Uh, but just the consistency of offense this weekend, getting to, I mean, a run rule at 16 to 5, it's not an easy thing to do, right? And through five innings, too. So I, I thought the power in particular was what surprised me the most.
0: You did G-Chat me during the game. Is there a run rule in softball?
1: Oh yeah. I mean try being there in the freezing cold with three children. There's no run rule for us because we had already left. We were walking out as as that was happening.
0: Then there was probably a run rule. <laughs> yeah, it just probably. wasn't their their same run rule. Well at ten and five, the Huskies are up to second in the Pac-12 standings behind UCLA. This weekend UW heads to Oregon State, which is last in the conference at two twelve and one. With that tie.
1: (laughs) We had a good time with the tie also. (laughs) Oh,
0: you gotta love that tie. Well, sadly, still in the rundown is UW men's basketball, which is a lot more roster news this past week, including we finally learned about the last scholarship player from last year's team that had yet to decide what they were doing. And Keon Brooks Jr. is returning for his fifth year of eligibility. A pleasant surprise after Brooks participated in senior day festivities back in March. He had the COVID year remaining after playing three seasons at Kentucky and last year at UW, where he led the Huskies with 17.7 points per game. I think the hope for Brooks will be to show Souths that he can score more efficiently and development as a shooter. Last year's 32 three-pointers were more than the 18 Brooks made all three years at Kentucky combined. God. But he shot just 29% beyond the arc. Has he considered transferring?
1: <laughs> just, I don't know, just advice, general advice, throwing it out there. I assume he considered it. <laughs> there are many other schools that I think would probably be happy with his services. I'm sure there are.
0: Uh, Noah Williams has. He's gonna submitted. be able to hoist
1: up a lot of shots at UW. Oh,
0: yeah, probably. Noah Williams has submitted a notification of transfer. The Seattle native played one year back home at UW after transferring from Washington State. And suffered a knee injury in the season opener, never seemed to be a hundred percent even after returning, did not play in the team's final five games. So even with the departure of Keon Menafield Jr. in the backcourt, this isn't terribly surprising.
1: It was it's not terribly surprising, but it's kind of a bummer that it didn't yeah. work out for oh, Noah. For sure.
0: I mean, I'm I'm you know, you gotta imagine he had the highest of hopes coming home.
1: Yeah. I mean no Noah, Noah Williams is so from Seattle it's almost like you voted against him in your NBA awards <laughs> this year. <laughs>
0: Oh, no comment. Uh, The Huskies did add to the backcourt with guard Anthony Holland, who heads to UW for his COVID year after playing four years at Fresno Estate, where he teamed with Braxton Mia. You'll never believe this, but Holland, who started each of the last three seasons, is also known for his shooting A 38% career three-point shooter. Well, not a terribly high volume, just 4.1 attempts per game last season, a career high. Still, Holland's 48 threes were just one shy. Of Cole Basum's team-leading total for the Huskies last year, between Holland and Moses Wood, the Huskies have already added players via transfer. Just two of them, who made 123 three-pointers last season, more than half their team total
1: of 209. I am really confused by this. I know. I someone else in charge of recruiting, and not Mike Hopkins. Uh, Honestly, I will tell you the only thing that I am is just kind of kind of nervous. You about that season, it's going to go too well. And then, I, like they're really, they got the two big men, right? They've got a couple of guards now, or a couple of shooters now. Uh, Keon Brooks is returning. Like they're in territory of being a competent Pac twelve team.
0: They might be a top one hundred team in Ken oh, Yeah, I think they almost certainly would be that. Uh, you look at the roster right now. The starting five, I think, looks pretty solid. Uh, You'd say Corin Johnson at point guard.
1: They're going to add more transfers as well.
0: Obviously they will. They have like eight players on the roster right now. Maybe nine uh, on on scholarship. Holland and Moses Wood on the wings uh, with Wesley Yates, the big incoming freshman, and Samuel Araiby. Uh, factoring in the mix there, they, they've also got another recruit that I don't have listed here. Keon Brooks starts at power forward in all likelihood again, but I think we also may see a lot of Braxton, Mia, and Frank Kepnong playing together as so Twin Towers. Famous. There we go. I mean, they experimented <clears throat> with that a little bit. Uh, I did get a chance to watch Corinne Johnson. That is like
1: straight up a foul out waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see it. But at least you have one of the others, the other in reserve. That's why you want to play them both out. at the same time. I don't think is- that's
0: going to be your primary lineup. I think Brooks will start at power forward, but you're going to see it for sure. Uh, I got to see both Corinne Johnson and Braxton be a play for the Portland Generals practice squad against USA Basketball and World Rosters for the Nike Hoop Summit in practices scrimmages last week. Uh, Johnson started both games at point guard, led all scorers against the world team with 21 points, flashing improved shooting after hitting 32% of his threes as a freshman. Uh, Mia coming off the bench behind Oregon center Nate Biddle, not quite as impactful. Kind of struggled to keep up with the pace a little bit against the U.S. team uh, in that scrimmage, but not sure how much you know game action he's been getting
1: at this point after the end of this, their season. You got me like a tiny bit excited about Husky basketball again. It's worrisome. <laughs> All right, that's fine. They're back on the rundown. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> All it took was getting two guys who can shoot. I mean, those are the first two in Hop's tenure, right? Cole Bajama. Was Cole Bajama really that good of a shooter? I mean, he
0: shot a very high percentage from three last season, didn't he? All right, fine, fine. (laughs) He doesn't shoot that many of them, but it also starts to make a lot more sense why Cole Bajama transferred. I mean, you know, maybe the Huskies went more aggressively after these guys. I guess he only hit 36% from three last year. Uh, Maybe the Huskies went more aggressively after these guys after they knew that Basham was going elsewhere. But
1: where did he end up again?
0: He has not announced anything that I've seen. I think Metafield is the only destination I remember.
1: So you're saying there's a chance that they asked him to go, though.
0: I don't know if they asked him to go, but that he realized that he wasn't going to be a starter potentially. Yeah. It it certainly that transfer takes on a different light in the wake of the transfers they have incoming.
1: I guess is the way I would put it. Can you remind me who Corin Johnson is? So he's a local product, believe it or not, who uh, played local to Seattle. Yeah. Okay. (laughs)
0: Not not to upstate. Everybody's local to somewhere. (laughs) Oh, fair point. Fair point. Uh, Who was expected to redshirt last year, but with the Noah Williams injury, ended up playing and playing a lot down the stretch and was the highest-rated recruit for the Huskies in last year's class. He he had previously been at uh, at Garfield, uh, finished his career playing at Wasatch Academy
1: in Utah. Oh, yeah, I remember this dude. Okay. I'm sure you do, yes. When you put said playing down the stretch, that was sort of where things uh, stopped paying a little bit uh, as much attention. Fair.
0: All right, should we wrap up talking about the Seahawks? Because, as you mentioned, we are— 10 days away from Pelton-Cast live, and we were drawing near to the NFL draft as well.
1: I'm pretty excited for the draft. I mean, it makes sense because this is the highest draft picks that the Seahawks have had since, I was going to say of our lifetimes. No, since Aaron, it, Curry. Since Aaron Curry. Yeah. And this feels, and maybe we're just paying more attention to the Seahawks, but this feels like a higher degree of magnitude. We didn't even watch that draft. We went to the Husky spring game. When you he got I remember listening to it on the radio, and I think they... Mark Sanchez went the pick before the Seahawks, right? And I think I wanted them to draft the Sanchez. (laughs) Wait, that can't be the right
0: timing, can it? Oh, no, I guess was was Curry not the, you know, Curry had to be the first Pete Carroll pick, didn't he? Oh, I guess that was Russell O'Kung.
1: Yeah. You're right. Russell O'Kung and Earl Thomas were the Pete Carroll picks.
0: That's weird because I thought they were really bad in 2009, but I guess they were even worse in 2008.
1: They were 4-12. and 12.
0: Uh, Mark Sanchez was the pick after the Seahawks.
1: Okay, so they took Aaron Curry instead of the Sanchez. They did. Wow. I think it, I Swinging mean, I, doors. The Seahawks could have had Mark Sanchez. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Seahawks had Mark Sanchez on many of their calls last year. <laughs> uh, but... I'm just excited about the draft, and so seeing some of the reports that we've seen recently, knowing that Arizona, who's the one team ahead of the Seahawks that I think you would have circled as almost certainly not going to take a quarterback. Although I I wouldn't 100% rule it out. They've obviously paid Kyler a lot of money, but...
0: The trade rumors would be be strange if they're playing on drafting a quarterback.
1: No, I I think at this point they're probably not. Seeing those trade rumors today, and then also seeing that they're having a top... 30 visit, I think, with uh Jalen Carter as well today. The the amount of of chatter online from fans of teams who do not have draft picks in the top five or six who think they're going to end up with Jalen Carter, I I have become pretty convinced that I do not see Jalen Carter falling unless Will Anderson Falls to the Seahawks, I do not think Jalen... I think the Seahawks are going to take Jalen Carter. I mean, I don't think if Carter goes to six that it qualifies as falling. No, no, no. I, I wouldn't say that's falling either. But, like, I, I think there are a lot of teams who are picking at, like, 10 to 12 who really think they're going to, like... Of course. End up with a Jalen Carter. Teams think that. And maybe not the teams, but the fans of those yeah. teams. Uh, mm-hmm. And the Philadelphia Eagles are those teams. But, like, the people who... The fans of... Who are very, very online. And... Again, I've become pretty convinced that if Will Anderson isn't there for the Seahawks, I'm still not convinced they're going to draft a quarterback. I think it's Jalen Carter. And I do think he's the player. They're going to look past everything. And it's just, we knew it was destined. Like, and I think it looks likely that he's there now. We thought that the Seahawks, that the Broncos played the Seahawks out of Jalen Carter. And now they've kind of put them in the perfect position to draft Jalen Carter. Or a trade down. Well, a lot of things happened after that. I... I mean,
0: I don't think the fact that Jalen Carter is visiting is necessarily an indication that the Seahawks are going to take him. It's a pretty clear indication that they are considering taking him, but... He's not off the board. The results of what happens in that meeting will determine where he stays on the board.
1: I still think... I want to have this conversation with Danny, obviously, when we get to PeltonCast Live. I'm curious what he thinks about quarterbacks. But again, if you were to take any player, any single player in the draft who you think the Seahawks will end up with, it's still, to me, Jalen Carter. Like, if this was Vegas style or whatever, and you had odds, and you had to just choose one player. Sure, yeah, I think you would have the lowest odds. I agree with that.
0: Just because we don't even necessarily know which quarterback it would be
1: for sure. Uh-huh. And, well, we we know which quarterback it wouldn't be. You know what I mean? Like yeah. So I think you can, like, you can pin down the quarterbacks quite a bit because but would, you know it's not going to be Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. It
0: could be Richardson or Levis if only one of those two goes ahead of the Seahawks. It's not entirely clear which of the two that would be that would go to
1: Indianapolis. I think you would wait Jalen Carter and Will. If this was Vegas odds for it, I think it would be Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, or the most likely player, probably followed by Tyree Wilson or something.
0: Yeah, that's probably true but I still think that the quarterbacks would be next after that.
1: It does feel like I it's interesting the Seahawks made they were very public about their we could draft a quarterback. And I almost feel like maybe that helped out the Cardinals. I I think quite possibly so, yeah. Who I, know, who knows what will happen in the next 17 days before the draft, but like the there're definitely teams who believed it enough who are after, who could have looked at that three slot or said to themselves that they fell in love with Anthony Richardson too.
0: I mean, I think the Cardinals are probably sitting in a pretty good position here to collect a premium to move down, which is generally the good idea. Yeah. So, not a lot of other Seahawks news right now, but uh, I'm sure we will have plenty more of it as we lead up to the draft and as we lead up to Peltoncast live in our draft preview. On that note... Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned to this special segment. We welcome in Marco what? Carasino to give us his review of the new Super Mario movie. Do you know the name of that one?
2: The Super Mario Brothers movie.
0: There you go. Uh, how long have you been waiting to go see this movie, Marco?
2: I think about this long. Mario. <laughs> <laughs> About that long.
0: It's a me Mario that long?
2: Yes. Okay. Exactly.
0: Uh is this the most excited you've ever been to go see a movie?
2: Um <laughs> It's a me a
0: Mario. I, I feel like that's not really answering the question, Marco.
2: Um anyway. yeah, probably.
0: Okay. And now you've seen it, did it live up to the hype? <laughs> Again, I don't feel like they that. They come really... on with their own bits. <laughs>
2: okay.
1: You could learn something from this for the Hoop Collective.
0: <laughs> well, there was one time on, uh, back when it was the True Hoop podcast, and Zach Harper did the Carmelo Anthony soundboard to answer questions. But see, the key to the soundboard is it's got a lot of different sayings that you can use to reply to different okay, things.
1: Okay, I'm, I'm taking this away from yes. you. No, no more. No, you refuse. Okay. All right. Jesus Christ! Okay, careful with that, Marco. Where, where does this rank? Did this did this live up to your expectation? S-tier. Okay, say that again after I ask the question. S tier. Oh, S tier. Okay, this, this is God tier level movie.
2: S plus plus plus. Wow.
0: Okay, what was the biggest highlight of the movie?
2: Probably nothing.
0: Probably nothing.
2: The overall movie.
0: Just the you can't separate it because it's like asking you who's your favorite brother and you just couldn't pick. Yes. <laughs> was, Although who's your favorite brother? <laughs> I thought that was a joke. I don't have I don't assumed,
2: know. I I don't was, know dude, they're kind of equal.
0: Kind of equal. Okay. Uh, what What did you think about the way that Chris Pratt? played Mario in this movie. That was a very controversial thing coming into this Marco. I, no, don't get the don't you don't we've need heard the soundboard. We've, we've heard it to me, Mario already.
2: <laughs> That's how I find it.
0: <laughs> what did you think of how he did playing Mario, an Italian man?
2: Mm. Um he didn't sound Italian. But he still sounded but he still sounded good.
1: Okay. I actually probe pro Chris Pratt in this one.
2: But nobody he, he except Jack Black sounded like they who they were supposed to be.
0: Wait, who was Jack Black in this movie? Bowser. Oh, he was the bad guy, huh?
2: Except FT didn't, didn't sound like he was not Sunshine.
1: Uh, that was Al figuring out what sunshine means. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Do you think he has any idea? No. <laughs> not really. You you lost me on that one. I was also trying to remember who plays Luigi in this. It's Charlie Charlie Day, correct? Yes. What did you think of him?
2: Um... You didn't really get to hear that uh, much of Luigi, and I'm glad because if he had, had a bunch of big sentences, he sounds nothing like Luigi. Oh,
0: wow, nothing like Luigi. Bringing the hot takes already, Marco.
2: He doesn't like sound like, like the other voicer for Luigi. He just sounds like a completely new voicer.
1: Uh-huh. Who, who do you think should have voiced uh, Mario in the movie?
2: Charles Martin.
0: Is that the person who actually vo- voices Mario? <laughs> Okay, Uh, you wanted to know, Tristan. I think what kind of Easter eggs should we be looking out for in this movie? Because I assume that for the
2: Mario
1: diehards
0: like you,
2: definitely Mario's room.
1: Mario's room. What was in Mario's room?
2: A bunch of things. Like. (laughs) Like An R wing. A what? An R wing.
1: Oh, an R wing.
2: (laughs) Yes. What is that? It's from Star Fox.
1: Oh, ah. What game was he playing? Mario was playing Icarus. a game in his... Say that again. Kid Icarus. Kid
0: Icarus, the game that we legendarily could never get past the start of. Right? Well,
1: Mario got further.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, Mario died seven seconds in. <laughs> okay, so that,
0: I guess we were not alone. Mar- Mario knows it's I'm
2: so. really bad at it as well.
0: We were on the same level
1: as Mario. <laughs>
2: uh, I don't know what he level he was on, though. He might have been on level like 100. He might have been... And really good at the game, and he just died right there.
1: What what other what other Easter eggs did you see in the movie that you liked?
2: Um, uh, I like seeing that there was Goombas in the cages.
1: Oh, okay. At, at Bowser's castle. Yeah. Uh, what were the items? So they show a crazy cap, right? Which is from. Yeah, Walking?
2: um a, They show a crazy cap from Mario Odyssey.
1: And what were the items that were in the, what do they call it? Like expired items or something?
2: Oh, in the like small like old shop from the like Mario Bros. 3 and stuff. Uh-huh. I know there's like a note block. Like, that old thing you use in Mario Bros. 3. A music box? Yeah. I know there's also a game biz I know a toad was asking if that game works.
1: Okay uh and then were there any standouts from the movie anything that anybody should watch out for that surprised you
2: um there or is a lot of things there is that charles martin a does voice like a lot of things like side characters like not even side characters like they don't even show them that much he does voice a lot of them they're
1: so kind of like cameos yeah what about nihilistic luma
2: I don't really have anything to say about that.
1: Wow. Okay. Uh, so would you recommend this? Oh, do you have a question? Well, no, it was it was after this. So you do. Would you recommend this to the listening audience going to see the Super Mario Bros. movie?
2: Uh, Definitely.
1: <laughs> okay. If we're done with Super Mario Bros. movie, I did have a
0: separate question for you. You've been playing a lot of Kirby's Dream Land right, lately, correct? Not really. But at some point in the not too distant future, you were playing a lot of Kirby's Dreamland, right?
2: Yes. Uh, I beat the game. It's very quick and very easy. Wow, not or for it's me. It's actually pretty hard.
0: <laughs> not for me when I was age eleven playing on the Game Boy on our drive to I know, South it actually Dakota.
2: It's pretty hard, but it is very short.
0: The Mariners have a pitcher named George Kirby. Should we come up with some sort of graphic that treats a George Kirby strikeout like Kirby? shooting out when he sucks things up and, and spits them back out.
2: Why not make Kirby sluggers? They, they made Mario baseball games.
0: But but George Kirby's a pitcher, so we have to, we have to tie this to him as a pitcher. No, you right?
2: just suck up a bone, shoot it out.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So And then he strikes out the batters that way.
2: And then King D would beat a batter with his, his hammer. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I got that in- endorsed, I think.
1: When he when he wins a game, we can the, do the what is the little dance that Kirby does, does that have a any... name?
2: Like the um, yeah, the Kirby dance is uh, he does a couple of, like, he, I know he does like a couple of hops and, now he does a little little snitch to his side. Uh huh. And the little pose where he has one of his hands up and other to his side pointing down.
0: I mean, I guess the other question I have to ask is. Should we expect a Super Brother- Mario Brothers 2? A sequel?
2: Um, I think they're going to add something, like maybe a Mario Galaxy movie or a Donkey Kong movie. I don't no. think there's just going to be like a straight up So it's going to be Super a, su- a Super,
0: Bros. Super <laughs> Mario Brothers universe?
2: I think it would be he called something a little bit cooler than that.
0: Well, the Marioverse is what you would call it, right?
2: I don't think it's a Marioverse. I, you know Mario is in real life, right? <laughs> You know he's an Italian plumber,
0: Mario Segale, who
2: lives in in Brooklyn.
0: I I mean the live, original live action Mario movies really played that up. Yes. Have you seen? Did you see the '90s Mario movies?
2: Nope. I don't think I want to.
1: I I but what's the other something? show that happened in the '90s?
2: Um. What? The '80s. Um. The Super Show. Mm-hmm. I know that happened, and the Mario Bros. 3 show, and the Mario World show.
1: I want a Yoshi's Island movie, though. There was, that was the worst part of the movie. If I'm doing hot takes on this, there was a severe lack of Yoshis in this
0: movie. There was. I mean, what about when they do the Mario Kart movie? I guess there was a TV <laughs> series on SNL. What?
2: Well, they already had a lot of Mario Karting.
0: Oh, did they? In the okay. Movie.
2: Okay. I mean, they couldn't make a Mario Kart movie, but I don't really know what it would ro- revolve around.
0: Racing. It'd be kind of like Fast and Furious. I don't know furious. how
2: they would have the carts because they needed the Kongs for the carts.
0: But you know, in, in Japan, you can ride around in Mario Kart style carts wearing costumes of various characters.
2: Yeah, you used to be able to do that. They banned it.
0: Oh, they banned it?
2: Yeah, it was in Tokyo.
0: Oh, no. That's such a shame. It was
2: in Tokyo, but they banned it, it for copyright.
0: I had a friend who did it. So. All right, well, we look forward to whatever the next movie is in the Marioverse. We can have you back on to share your
1: thoughts, Marco.
2: It's the Mushroom Kingdom, and it's also in real life as well.
1: Okay. It is not the Marioverse, distinctly.
2: It's Marioverse.
1: Are you interested in seeing the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse sequel?
2: I'm never uh, watching that.
1: There we go. <laughs> on that note, Marco, thanks so much
0: for joining us.
2: Okay. Time for bed.
0: <laughs> Thank
1: you, Marco. Good stuff.